Welcome to the Pelvic Pulse Podcast, where formally off-the-table topics take center stage so you can feel comfortable, confident, and free in your body. This podcast was born out of the desire to share the intimate and necessary conversations about one of the most ignored, abused, and suppressed areas of our bodies, our pelvises. Not sure where that is? Let's put a finger on it, shall we? I'm your host, Brittany Ellers, holistic pelvic physical therapist, womb worker, and educational speaker and advocate for all things pelvic health. My hope for this show is that it enlivens listeners like you to take steps towards healing your own relationship with your pelvic space holistically for fuller embodiment and a more loving human experience. So when you're ready, let's take a deep breath and dive right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pelvic Pulse podcast. I'm sitting here with my friend, Amy Natalie, and I should say friend, coach, mentor, and colleague, and all of the things, sister. It's just, it's so cool to have you here in person because you live in Asheville currently. Um, I'm so grateful to have you and for you to share about all of these things that kind of culminated into something that you're birthing into the world right now, which is a book called The Feminine Way. Do you want to share a little bit about it? Just right off the cuff? (laughs) Yeah, it's such a special time right now. I feel like in sharing this book, I'm getting to reconnect with a lot of people and just feeling really grateful to be here with you and also so proud of you and excited for you that this is your podcast and this is something that has been like birthed through you and that you've created and that you've really devoted yourself to. I've really seen your intentionality in how you create and your mission feels so heart-centered, which is really such a big element of the divine feminine and feminine leadership is like leading from the heart, leading from a place of service. And I really feel like that's the the direction that, that we're headed, you know, as consciousness continues to rise and as we embark on this journey of what I call the feminine way mm. during this time of the feminine rising. So that's really what this book is about, is about us coming back into harmony within ourselves. Oh. So yeah, that's really what this time is about right now is coming back into harmony internally within ourselves between our masculine and feminine energies, which we're going to be talking about and kind of going into that for people who are either new to that concept or who just want to have a better understanding of how to actually integrate that into your life. And essentially, as we return to the feminine, which is, you know, this energy and this way of living and being that has been really forgotten, like, Mm -hmm. over time, and that's been missing from kind of our Western modern culture, it is really here to bring us back to a place of vitality, aliveness, pleasure and empowerment. So that's really what this book is. It's a guide to come back home to yourself, to your body, to your pleasure, to your intuition, and yeah, to create a life of liberation and freedom. Hell yeah. Amen, sister. I'm curious, like, what do you think got us disconnected in the first place, maybe on a personal level or um on like a societal level on like a cultural level like global scale even I mean this 
programming of kind of the the toxic masculine or hyper masculine way of being has been around for over 2000 years it's part of our patriarchal programming our religious programming it's part of capitalism consumerism mm. there's so much underlying why we have been essentially indoctrinated to overperform overachieve constantly hustle ignore our bodies feel disconnected from our pleasure like there's there's a lot of shame there's a lot of um powers that be that don't want women in their confidence don't want women in their power whether they do that consciously or unconsciously but yeah I feel like this has been around for it has been around for over 2,000 years now and Mm -hmm. so this is really the first generation since that time that like having this process of remembrance that's happening yeah I mean it's so powerful to see women like yourself kind of lead the way and and show everyone else how they can embark on that um, journey for themselves. It's really fucking powerful. And I'm curious, can you share a little bit about your personal journey into that discovery and maybe talk about a few of the, I don't know if it came through as like significant life decisions or certain practices or certain teachers, but can you share a little bit about your personal journey? Mm, Yeah. So going back like maybe 10 years ago, I was really struggling with chronic depression and anxiety. And at the time I was in my early to mid twenties and I was really living in unconsciously living in this place of masculine overdrive. I was really hustling to get my business started. I was living from as I would like to say, like the neck up, like I was really Mm -hmm. making decisions based off of what I thought other people wanted for me, like in that people pleasing mode and that kind of good girl programming. And I found myself in a life where everything looked picture perfect on paper. I was married and we had a beautiful home together. We were just like on this path of what society kind of lays out as markers of success. Yet internally I was feeling like really empty something was missing and I kept blaming myself I'm like well what's wrong with me like if if I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do and I'm like reaching these markers of success like why am I so unhappy and so I really got to in in that exploration go deeper within myself to look at okay I've created a life that's really out of alignment with who I truly am on a soul level And I'm not listening to my intuition. I'm not listening to my body. And as a result, it's manifesting in chronic health issues like digestive issues, autoimmune issues, hormone imbalances, difficulty losing weight. I was tired all of the time. And there was a part of me that always knew that there was more. There's like Mm -hmm. something else like this can't be it. But I would see other people who felt freer they felt happier like it just looked like they were having a different experience in life and I was like why can't I have that like what's missing and so it was through that journey um you know at that time I was a nutritionist I had my own business and I was I was going deeper into my studies around emotional eating and body image and like why is it that women you know even if we know what's healthier know what's good for us why are there some of these unhealthy patterns and I went down the path of becoming an eating psychology coach where 
in that program is actually where I first learned about masculine and feminine dynamics and polarity, which is super fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, what did they, what would they say about that in, in that lens? Because something too that I'm like thinking about as you're speaking is like the digestive issues that you were feeling and um, how that was connecting with like the anxiety, depression, everything too, right? Like everyone talks about gut health and how important that is, da, da, da. But it's like, even if you think about it more from like a chakra standpoint and like sacral energy being like the creative energy, the flow and just sexual life force energy, like dulling you almost like from feeling so free and alive and happy. Like that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it was both like solar plexus, which is personal mm-hmm. power, like not being connected to my confidence, not being connected to who I really am. Mm-hmm. And then sacral for sure, because I had a lot of sexual shame. I had a lot of, um, you know, hormone issues and that was definitely rooted in, in the sacral as well. And so from the lens of eating psychology coaching, the way that they taught it was that the way that we learn about food now is very much like from the scientific lens only. And it's like, okay, how many macronutrients of protein, carbs, and fat should you eat? How much, uh, how many calories should you be eating? All these kind of like restrictive, prescriptive ways of eating that don't allow us to listen to our body. And so, you know, as a woman growing up in this day and age, like, it it's things around like body image. And also for me, it was like, I wanted to be healthier. And so I was following all of these different dietary protocols, but I wasn't actually tuning into my body and focusing on mindful eating and nourishing myself. Those are all more of the feminine. The masculine is more of that like calculated, structured, prescriptive way of living. Mm-hmm. And so it, it disconnects us from like, what does my body actually want and need? And, and it doesn't address these deeper energetic and emotional aspects of why we eat in the first place. And so it was there showed up in nutrition, but also in my fitness where it was like, I was over exercising and I had adrenal fatigue at the age of 27. I was exhausted all of the time and had to stop doing intensive exercise. And yeah, it was showing up in my marriage at the time. It was, you know, not a lot of sexual polarity, not a lot of sexual chemistry. I wasn't living in my heart. I was like in my mind all of the time. I wasn't open and vulnerable And I was very more, I would say like rigid and perfectionist and wasn't in my, my feminine essence, I would say in that openness, that receptive place, um, in my authenticity, like that wasn't really there. Mm. And I feel like when I think about my past version, I wonder if you feel this, like there's just like a, a grief and a sadness that has to move through you at first. So like, once you kind of recognize all these things, like what was that first step in like saying, no, I want to live differently. Like I want to have what I desire mm-hmm. and actually take action. Yeah. I think at that point, even though I had done a lot of therapy, I'd done years of therapy, I didn't even really know what I wanted. I just knew <laughs> that I was unhappy. Yeah. And it was through both working with a spiritual mentor, as well as going into my own meditation practices that I started to connect with. Okay. If the life that I built is not making me happy, like what do I actually want? And who am I, if I'm not this person that I'm trying to be for the external world? And 
So it was kind of like, I didn't feel like I had a choice because I was waking up at 4am with horrible anxiety. Like, Mm. you know, my, my throat clenched, like my heart beating out of my chest, waking up super early and really questioning, like, is this marriage for me? And on a bigger level, like, is this life for me? You know, like Mm. what, there's something wrong. Like I need to keep searching. So I would wake up and, and the only thing that I could do at that time, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go meditate. And so I would sit in the room by myself and I would put on a guided meditation and I would start to have these like insights from my intuition of like these questions, like, are you going to keep trying to make everyone else happy or are you going to do what makes you happy? And it was like these insights of what it is that I really enjoy and what makes me happy and what do I want in my life and started to explore more of my inner world. And as I did that, I started to get more clear and eventually made a really challenging decision to end my marriage. We were together for five years and our families were very invested in our relationship and we had a whole community. And so it was like a really big risk and a big leap of okay, I'm going to listen to this inner knowing that not only is this relationship not right for me, but also that this lifestyle isn't really mm-hmm. what's true for me. So that was like the the initial big leap that I made. And after I took that leap, which took me two or three years, I really want to share that because mm-hmm. I know there's many people are in that place, whether it's like you're not happy in your job or you're not happy in a relationship or you're in a living situation that's not ideal or maybe you've been holding on to old friendships like these are really big decisions to make and on the other side of that when we do listen to our intuition like i always like to say that the the universe catches you it mm-hmm. supports you it surprises you new doors open up new opportunities and it was really at that point in my life I was about 27 years old where I stepped into a new version of myself and everything changed. Like my business changed from focusing on nutrition to becoming a women's empowerment mentor. And, um, I, I made a whole new community, new friends and really got to that place where I was waking up every day, where even if things weren't perfect externally, and I didn't know exactly where things were going, that I knew I was following my path and I knew that I was living my truth and that brought immense like peace and healing for me Mm. yeah and it's been really cool to watch you on your journey like kind of since we and just so that everyone also kind of knows a little bit of our background Mm -hmm. um I think the first time we met was at a workshop right where it was about feminine embodiment and it was the first opportunity I think maybe the second opportunity I had working with uni in that way um, where we were doing like topless or new photo shoots mm-hmm. after being guided like into our body and what it is that we wanted to um, explore. And I just felt like instant connection with you, instant connection with Chelsea, who I'd met there for the first time as well. This was like, all pre pandemic, like literally weeks before a couple of weeks before. Mm-hmm. And then over time, right. Um, I decided to work with you uh, in two separate occasions, one in a, uh, group program. And then following that was working with you one-on-one for about six months. And it was just really amazing. Like even after the fact, like the impact of seeing you move from, um, more mindset coaching. Cause I feel like even then, right. It's like, you can, you can guide women through their mindset as much as you want, but it wasn't going to make like a full 
impact sometimes for certain mm-hmm. people and watching you then start to incorporate embodiment practices. I'm curious about that. Like I want, I want you to share if um, you can about the process of discovering that for yourself and then how that even changed your life potentially even more um, as you start to grow into this, this feminine way. Mm. Yeah. The way that I like to describe embodiment is I feel like it's like advanced personal development for women. So it's (laughs) like, you can do all the therapy, you can listen to podcasts, you can have awareness around your patterns and understand why your thoughts are the way that they are. Yet, unless you have integrated that into the body and done deeper somatic healing in the body, like it still lives in your nervous system. It still lives in, in your body, these memories and these old versions of yourself until we can really incorporate it into the body. So what I started to find, I, I was, you know, running a successful coaching business and really loving the mindset work that I was doing with my clients. And yet I also found that in my business, I was still operating a lot in my masculine energy. Mm. And so I was kind of reaching that place where I was like, okay, like, again, I've reached success. I've done all the things that I'm wanted to do or supposed to do and like what something's missing. And so it was kind of a recurring theme of, Mm. okay, there's more here for me to discover. And in that time, I was kind of feeling into some of the other mentors and other women in my life who I really admired and who I really saw doing things differently where there felt like there was more ease and there was more magnetism Mm -hmm. and more aliveness in what they were doing. And I was like, yeah, I want that. Like I didn't come here just to like work and to make money and to just like go through the motions of my life. Like there's that deeper feminine yearning for more aliveness that I think we all have. Yeah. And I, as I was in that exploration, what I realized is a lot of these women were doing deeper embodiment work and practices around connecting to their sexuality and their pleasure and um, processing emotions through their body. And so that's when I decided to go on my own embodiment journey and I hired a mentor and studied with her for 10 months and Mm. became an embodied teacher And what we do is we use movement and we use breath and sound and different practices to guide women into their bodies. And another aspect of the work is connecting women with different feminine archetypes and different um, to connect with different aspects of themselves that maybe have been suppressed or that they've never connected to before. And using this embodiment work, what most of my clients say is that it feels like I've come home to myself. Can you share a little bit more about the archetypes? Because I feel like that's never been brought up here on the podcast. And I feel like even just saying it kind of like in the way where you're like, I didn't know what I wanted. It's like, you don't know what you're suppressing until it's kind of shown to you. Mm -hmm. So if you can mirror back to the audience, like what, what are those feminine archetypes that people could potentially be suppressing that they could unleash and really feel that like juiciness in their own systems. Mm, Yeah. So archetype work originally stems from Dr. Carl Jung, and he talks about these 12 archetypes that live in collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. Um, These are different attributes, different personas. You can think about them as different characters that we exhibit or that exist in, in the human psyche. And so 
the work around feminine archetypes is kind of like an offshoot of that work. It's, it's a uh, part of that work, but it's been evolved. It's evolved over time. And the ones that I focus on in my book, I focus on seven main archetypes and, and I really love archetype work because like you mentioned, these are, these are aspects of ourselves that like, sometimes we don't even know are there because we've been so used to living. I talk about the good girl archetype, which is so common from people who grew up in more of a religious environment where they have a lot of shame around their sexuality, around their emotions. Um, and so I, I like to use the different archetypes as a way to bring forward, like the most confident version of ourselves, the mm -hmm. most self-expressed, the most true version of ourselves. So some of the main archetypes that I really like to work with are the maiden, the maiden is really about connecting to that inner play. I think as adults, we get so serious and we take on so much responsibility and we forget about that curiosity and that awe and that wonder and that play. And so the maiden really invites us to that aspect of ourselves. I feel like you're pretty playful. I try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're also like really intellectual and like love studying and like very like nerdy. Like, yes. Me. Yes. Um, and I know you love like, I think when we're on the growth path, we can take it really seriously and get to <laughs> so play, true. but so I true. feel like you have a really playful spirit too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, I don't know if anyone's ever seen this or if you've seen this on like TikTok or even on Instagram, but people will talk about how like girls will get the zoomies and it's just like, you kind of just get all Crazy. Like you just want to be psycho a little bit and like bother your partner or whatever, or bother your friends, bother your pet. Like you can get kind of cuckoo and it's, it is, actually is a playful energy. Yeah. And it's just about like breaking out of the, I don't know, the system that we like kind of live in on a day-to-day -day basis. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny that you, as you're talking about maidens, I'm like thinking about how this past weekend I was at a park for a friend's birthday. Shout out to Robin. Happy birthday. And, um, it was homecoming. And so all these people, all these um, like young high schoolers and their parents were coming to take photos because we were at like a cliffside and it was just a beautiful day, beautiful sunset. I, I kid you not, the whole entire high school, maybe two high schools were there. And we were just like watching all these young girls. And I mean, technically I would still consider myself in my maiden phase, mm -hmm. but um, just like seeing them all go and take pictures with their friends and act a fool and just like looking not judging but kind of yeah <laughs> like styles and stuff like wearing certain dresses with like sneakers or something like that it's like wow the style nowadays is so different and yeah. yet like they're playful like they are just like in their maiden fun phase and not that we're in our like bitter crone phase, but <laughs> wise crone phase. yeah exactly I like yeah. to call her a maven and she's just yeah. so wise and she actually, I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, it kind of like looks funny to wear that kind of outfit together, but mm -hmm. it's also probably the most comfortable and it will be so fun when they get out and dance and, and whatnot. But anyways, yeah. moving on from the maiden. maiden. <laughs> so you just mentioned the crone and another word, another one for that is like the sage. Yeah. Um, the sage or the queen, both of them are really powerful archetypes. The sage is like that part of you that's really wise and she's also more a little bit more analytical or logical in like she's she's clear on her her goals and her vision and her desires and she's like very makes really wise decisions 
And then we've got the wild woman, which is one of my favorites. And especially for women who struggle with people pleasing or perfectionism, the wild woman is the primal nature of the untamed, the unapologetic, the unfiltered version of you. She's really bold. She's really has strong boundaries. Um, She is messy. Like she doesn't try and keep it all put together. She uses her like Kali energy, her anger, her rage to create positive change in the world. And so I really love the wild woman. That was a really big one for me to step out of kind of like the good girl programming. And then Mm. another one that I love is the seductress. The seductress is um, also sometimes can be referred to as like the central siren or even the lover. And the seductress is really about bringing love to our body. It's about being in our sensuality and our pleasure. And it allows for a lot of liberation from the shame that many of us do feel around our pleasure. And then the queen is like the confident one. She's this heart-centered leader. She is someone who is not afraid to ask for support and who delegates to other people. Um, She's really living in her power and she's a leader. So those are a few of the archetypes that I really love to work with. Oh, one more that we have in the book is the mystic. And the mystic is, yeah, that we all have this, the, these, we have these gifts and that we're all here to contribute magic and our own unique way of contributing that to the world. So Mm -hmm. it's really that kind of witchy spiritual aspect that allows us to connect to our intuition, to our psychic knowing, um, and connects us to, yeah, kind of like that 5D wisdom. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think even in my own life personally, it's like, as I Mm -hmm. grow through my business and, and feel into the offerings that I have to share, I feel like certain archetypes you're mentioning, I feel like the three that feel really prominent for me yet also still kind of live in the, I'm not going to say shadows, but they live kind of like, you know, um, not in everyone's awareness, like when they know me, if that makes sense. Um, and that is the wild woman, the seductress and the mystic. And it's interesting. Like, I wonder, um, I don't know, we don't have to talk about it, but I do find it really interesting. Like the, how kind of the witch wound is like really prevalent amongst people who have grown up in those religious upbringings um and how prevalent that was for me and even to say certain things like that like I'm doing some witchcraft or spells or whatever like I love Harry Potter and I love magic and I do feel like I I was sharing this with James actually the other day that something that actually does feel scary is like inhabiting that archetype and being like we're in the sunroom right now and I'm like I do magic in there. Like, I'm not kidding. And I feel like Kita is kind of a familiar and like, she helps me with my, with my craft and with my healing. Like she anchors down like um, healing that happens here, or at least for the past few months. But it's just really, it was even hard to say to him. And he's like, that's amazing. Like, that's so good. I'm so glad for you. And I'm like, but it's scary. Like, it's all scary. Like what you were saying, you take the leap, like, away from relationships, away from a job, away from a living situation, away from like a way of being 
it's it is so scary but Mm -hmm. um do you have any thoughts on that or yeah I mean another word for the mystic is like medicine woman yeah and I really see that with you and your work and and especially the work around like the womb and the pelvis and yeah the way that you you empower women to be more connected to their body and to themselves and you know, there's, there's a book that I really love that's called witch. I don't know. Have you ever read it? I haven't. It's so good girl. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, reclaiming our, our power as women, because it was only, I, I'm not great with, with years. I even have it in my book where it's like, I think it's like 300 years ago, not that long ago, two to 300 years ago where women were literally killed and were burned at the stake because they we're using like herbs and salves and like making potions and, and friends with animals. Yeah. Like because of, or they were sent to like insane asylums because right. they were crazy. And it's like, that's all the, the patriarchy. That's all religion teaching people that anything that's outside of their, their prescription is evil and mm-hmm. that it's the devil right? So it's like this training that if you do it our way, it's right. And you're going to be accepted and you're going to be saved and you're going to be supported and you're, you're safe. But if you deviate from that, then like you're evil and you're going to be punished. And so of course, like, especially as women are reclaiming their voices and stepping into this medicine woman archetype, like there is literally fear in our, in our DNA that that lives there and and it makes sense that growing up like you did that there's fear to to speak the word witch right Mm -hmm. I mean I could say it in terms of like Harry Potter amongst my family and everything I think if I had mentioned that or said that to them right now they might give me like a little question mark face um but it's I mean I was looking into human design and with a mutual friend and um the teacher there was <laughs> it's okay. Uh the teacher there was um looking at my chart and she saw from like the crown to the middle of the head um the center line even if it's not complete like if you even had that one gate I forget what the number is um then you were like a witch of some kind in a past life um and there's healing there to be done. I was like that's really interesting. The witch wound is still I feel like prevalent uh, for me and yes like the fear that lives in our bodies is it's there and it gets to be worked with and worked through so I'm really excited for like what that feels like and looks like um, as I move through my own process okay if you're loving this episode as much as I am I want to invite you into the slope series This is a series of six life-changing workshops to help you embody the most secure, loving, open, and confident woman that you can be. The topics of discussion are sacred anatomy and physiology. We'll dive into your anatomy, your physiology, the sexy cycles and seasons of your life, and how to embody that. We'll be diving even more deeply into loving your lineage and your birth story and any birth stories that you have experienced if you've had children. 
we'll also be talking about bathroom basics because this is an important aspect of our life and our livelihood. We'll also talk about sexuality and spirituality, especially in terms of overcoming pain and shame. And then we'll be speaking about becoming a mother, moving out of the maiden phase of our lives and really embodying what motherhood can look like in honoring the preconception and the postpartum. And this is all important information I wish every woman knew and could implement into their lives in their own unique way. We'll not just be talking about these practices, but actually putting them into play and seeing what rituals and practices work for you. I do know that many of you listening know about some of these things that we'll be working through, so I did make it possible so that if there was one topic that truly piqued your interest, you can sign up for the workshop a la carte. The weekly workshops are live on various days, and you will receive recordings to keep your for life when you sign up. We begin October 13th and end on November 16th. And I hope you decide to join for the whole series, especially because when you do, you'll receive a few other guided practices, including Wands 101 and Yoni Eggs 101 and the cheat sheets for cycle syncing so that you can implement this stuff into your life. Head to the link in the show notes for more information for the series schedule and to register for the workshops a la carte or the whole slope series. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in there. And now back to the episode. In you inhabiting all of these different feminine aspects, let's call them, or archetypes, like externally in your outer world, did that change things? Um, I'm so curious, like not just from like the business even standpoint, but like relationships wise. Mm. Yeah, I feel like as we start to embody more of these archetypes, there's this feeling of wholeness within And there's this feeling of, oh, I'm not even like hiding these parts of myself that I would be afraid, formerly afraid to express, uh, whether that is in my intimate relationship or with friends or when I'm going to an ecstatic dance or pole dancing, like the freedom that I feel in my expression to be who I am because of embodiment work. Like it helped me to get out of my mind of what do, what are other people going to think? And of course there are still moments because I'm human and we, we have these moments where we're like, you know, checking in with, Oh, what are, am I, is this going to offend someone or is, are they not going to like me or am I going to be judged? And the difference now is that a, that doesn't happen as much and B, it no longer stops me from doing the thing that I want to do. That brings me the most joy and where it's not coming from the space of like trying to be in people's faces, but it's like from this grounded, authentic place of this is who I am. And I feel confident in that. I love these parts of myself. I've accepted these parts of myself. I've integrated these parts of myself and the people who are going to resonate with that will be magnetized to me. And the people who don't like, I'm also okay with that. Mm -hmm. So it shows up everywhere. It shows up how I show up online. It shows up. Yeah. Like I said, in my relationship and my friendships in my day-to-day life, when I'm walking around, like I'm, I'm very much feel so much more. The word that I can describe is like in my woman, Mm -hmm. like 
that's what I saw in my embodiment teacher when I wanted to study with her. Cause when I was exploring who I wanted to study with, I was like, I want to work with someone who I really see is like living this work. And that's what embodiment is too, is living as your true self. So it's like your day to day, how do you feel within yourself and how are you presenting yourself and expressing yourself? Like that's where this starts to come through. And I think what what is really helpful, and I've shared this in the book, and I teach this in in my program, The Multidimensional Woman, is not only just like conceptually understanding the archetypes, like we were talking about before, but how do you actually integrate those? What are some of the practices of, mm-hmm. okay, if I want to tap into my seductress archetype, like what are some things that I can start to practice and integrate into my life? And how can I start to embody her energy? Yeah. Right. So yeah. that that's really the next layer of this is let's go deeper and start to work with these archetypes and start to bring them into your world. So in the book, you have all seven that you just named and within each seven, you have different practices. Yeah. Like embodiment practices, any other like tools or rituals to bring into your world. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. So the embodiment chapter is throughout the book. I have seven primary feminine codes that we talk about. And and these codes are essentially principles or teachings that are designed to unlock something that already exists within you. Because what I'm teaching here is ancient wisdom. Like this isn't (laughs) new agey stuff. Like this is deep wisdom that exists in, in the universe. Like this has existed throughout time. And so the seventh code is feminine embodiment. And along with learning about the archetypes and how you can actually implement them, I also offer some embodiment practices. So with the book, there's free resources where I do guided meditations and embodiment practices that you can access because for me, like the biggest changes happen, like, yes, when we have a shift in our awareness and we're like, whoa, that's possible for me or, oh, I can do things differently. But when you're sitting in a practice, whether it's an inner child healing or when you're actually moving your body and shaking the energy and, and moving the emotions through your body, that's where we start to see the actual change, right? It's like one thing to know about it, but to actually feel what's happening in your body when you're doing that, that's where the healing happens. Mm, so cool can you give an example of that for someone like maybe an example of how you felt like after doing a certain practice like what you were stuck with in before and then how that came out on the other side mm-hmm. yeah I'll I'll share a, an example semi-recently probably in the last like three months I was living in a house in Asheville it was the first house that I had moved into I think I was there for about a year and a half and I loved this home. It was so perfect for my landing there. And it was like such an epic manifestation. I remember you sharing about that manifestation because I think I was working with you at the time. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. And yeah, it's just incredible how you nailed that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, manifesting homes is one of those things that I feel like is just like, maybe it's in my chart somewhere, but it's definitely a gift. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Your home that you've landed here is so beautiful, which I think by I'm, the way, I'm also, ha- I'm the same thing. It's so funny. Okay. Go ahead. Say what you were going to say. Cause I know what it is, but <laughs> yeah, I, you guys, I pulled up to Brittany's house today and I park outside and I was like, wow, I have some friends who used to live in this house like four years ago. 
<laughs> how random is that so random. and you're like pulling off the freeway oh yeah like my friends used to live in this neighborhood oh yeah wait this same street oh wait it's the same house what the heck so wild so anyways so back to the other story where i i love that we have like stories oh, with stories. me too <laughs> me too and Coda barking in the back yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Okay, so um, I had been in that house, and when I was living in that house, I had like an interesting relationship with my landlords where like initially things were really great and it was really easy, and then over time there was just like a lot of micromanaging and a lot of just things that I didn't agree with and boundaries that felt like they were being crossed, but because I was living in that house, there was like power dynamics between like landlord and and tenant. Right. So turns out we have this like experience where I felt like a boundary was significantly crossed and I had so much rage and anger come inside of me. And I don't have a lot of rage normally. Like I tend to go in my emotional landscape towards sadness and like depression before I go to like anger and rage but there was something about this specific situation that like literally I felt like this like fire inside of me and I felt so angry and instead of like yelling at my landlord I took some space and I went to my own practice a sacred rage practice Mm -hmm. and love those yes so (laughs) So necessary for people who aren't familiar with what that looks like I went into my room and I turned on some music and I just pretty much like threw a tantrum like Mm -hmm. I was on my bed and I just like let myself cry and shake and like scream into a pillow and punch Mm. the pillows and I just like let all of this anger move through me and not from like in my mind, this is what I'm supposed to do, but like literally just letting my body release the emotion from, from me. And when I finished that underneath that was a lot of sadness. And it reminded me of all of the times, like in that practice, it reminded me of times when I was younger, where I didn't have a voice to speak my boundaries and where I did feel like boundaries were crossed and where I couldn't couldn't stand up for myself. And so through that practice, I got to release not only emotions that I was currently feeling, but I got to connect with my inner child and a younger version of myself that was, you know, really scared and that didn't know why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. And so after that practice, I felt so much, I, well, there was, after the anger process, there was a lot of sadness and there was, you know, being there with my inner child in the practice and like really holding myself and letting myself cry. And through that, there was so much openness that happened. And I recognized that like this landlord, it it was not about her. Like, yes, there were things that needed to change, which actually ended up being like, I was meant to move out of that house. And this experience was like the catalyst for being like, oh, I'm not supposed to resign my lease. And I ended up finding another really beautiful home with a dear soul sister of mine and like epic manifestation too. And like, this was the catalyst, like this had to happen. But after I was able to process those emotions, I was able to come back to the conversation and really speak from a heart centered place and express my truth, not from a blaming or from like an angry place, but just being like, yeah, there's something that's not right. And like, it needs to be addressed, you know? Yeah. And so I think 
that's like my, uh, an example of how we can use embodiment practices in our everyday life instead of being reactive. It's like, let's go into this and let's feel it. I mean, and that probably also changed the way that your landlord received you like otherwise, right. Mm -hmm. If you would have come at them, like very angry, like it could have ruptured a lot of things. Right. Mm -hmm. But like you coming super heart centered and grounded in what you were feeling and having had your time to process and move through those emotions. Like how, how were you received? Mm -hmm. Well, initially there was resistance because there was like not a favor of me having boundaries as a tenant, you know, Uh, like, so there was like this foundational misalignment of what their perspective of what it means to have a tenant versus like as a renter, like what privacy means to me. Like there was just like a foundational thing. However, after that, she came back like a few days later and apologized and was like, I'm so sorry. We, we completely like, you know, this needs to be resolved and like came back from a more understanding place. But yeah, had I come in it from a different angle, like that wouldn't have happened and it would have been a huge huge rupture. Right. Yeah. I just feel like that's super powerful. And I feel like that's something that can be utilized in a lot of different kinds of relationships, but like even a work relationship or a romantic relationship or a friendship. It's like when we can really process our emotions and use embodiment practices, they don't have to just be like for these heavy moments. It can be like when you're sitting at work and you're feeling really low energy and you want to tap into more pleasure, you want to tap into more, more play. Like we can use embodiment practices to elicit those emotions and to bring that out as well. So just wanted to share with everyone. It's not always this, like, it doesn't have to be this deep processing all the time, even though that's a big part of the healing journey, but right. Yeah. We I mean, to use them to, to access more play too. Totally. I was just going to say, it's like, also, if you say have like a ton of joy that you're like, how hard is it to keep good news to yourself? Like mm-hmm. you don't want to do that. Number one, <laughs> but also just to celebrate any, any kind of win, small, big, significant life-changing win. It's like, I feel like for me, embodiment too, is like living that entire spectrum through your body. Mm -hmm. And so yes, processing through grief, sadness, anger, also on the other side of it, like, like, um, just love and joy and excitement, like let that kind of like get the wiggles out. It's like literally when kids are so excited or when dogs are so excited, what do they do? They run around and they act a fool. (laughs) It's so fun. And it's so, I think necessary and it keeps the energy just flowing instead of getting stuck and stagnant, which is, I think, and what I think you think when disease, disease occurs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I talk about that in the book is like the reason why we have so much disease and disharmony in the world right now is because of this disconnection from the feminine and when we are not connected to our bodies and we're not listening to our intuition and we're suppressing our emotions and we're not accessing pleasure like it's no wonder that we have much higher rates of mental health issues of chronic health issues of infertility of Mm -hmm. trauma in our bodies like physical pain which is so much of what you work with Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah that stuff gets stored in our bodies until we're able to to release it and to really access these deeper energetic layers that that exist from 
from not accessing our full emotional landscape. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was just reading an article in GQ like earlier this week or last week. And it's like, I mean, I'm going to mess up the stat, but it is insane. Like how many of us are not doing well on maybe even just like the mental health standpoint. And a lot of it, I'm curious to talk about, maybe we can just um, parse this through, but like, I mean, the feminine way isn't just for females, just FYI, right? Mm -hmm. Like you even saying that tapping into and accessing your emotional capacity, like that is work for every human. And so say a male is listening, right? The GQ article I was reading about was about um, men going on this men's retreat and it was, it's in the Colorado Rockies and they have a combination of like group therapy and horse therapy, cowboy therapy, Mm -hmm. they call it. And they end up practicing, like speaking their truth, speaking their emotions and all of this stuff. And it's like, I feel like for them, that is their feminine way. But I'm I'm curious about like what, what that can look like um, for a male or a man accessing his feminine mm-hmm. um, in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think if we were to look at these these energetics and understanding like what the feminine really means it it really is like your creativity your intuition your emotions it's your sensuality and these are not just present in a woman's body like these are present in men's bodies as well um and some men tend towards more of the hyper-masculine, you know, nature, but they still have feminine energy in them. And they too are significantly impacted by these patriarchal programs of like, Mm. you know, you shouldn't cry. You shouldn't feel your emotions. You're weak if you share what you're feeling. And that creates a lot of disconnect in intimate relationships and also can create a lot of harm in the world when, men are stuffing down their emotions and when they're not connected to their own creativity and their own intuition, like that's a prop significant problem too. So yeah, I think, you know, if men are listening to this podcast, they're probably interested to some degree of personal development. And I would say, continue down that path of learning about yourself and Mm -hmm. connect with other men. There's lots of amazing men's groups. There's lots of amazing men's mentors available and spaces where you won't be judged and you won't be criticized for exploring your emotions and what ends up happening is the more that you can actually process your emotions is that you're no longer going to be reactive or shut down like those are the two things that I see a lot is like men being you know reactive whether that's with with anger or frustration or just completely shut down and numb to their emotions. And then it's hard to have a, a true deep connection with anyone, let alone your, your intimate partner. Right. Right. I'm also, I'm other words coming to mind are like defensiveness or just like even an attachment style, someone who's like really, really anxious or really, really avoidant. I feel like a really popular dynamic that's not always there for everyone but it's like the woman's anxious and trying to figure things out and the man is avoidant if you're talking about a heterosexual relationship and I feel like if for the woman she can drop in and ground herself hold herself and let herself feel those emotions I remember actually being in a past relationship uh, like a handful of years ago and listening to a podcast that was basically telling me 
as an anxious person in relationship to feel that, like let yourself feel it and Mm -hmm. don't take action on it. Don't go and reach for your phone and have that person try to calm you down because that's going to make them even more avoidant of you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to do that. And just like held myself for a while. And it was like, oh yeah, I am okay without, I don't need to reach out every single day or every single hour or whatever it was that I was doing. But like, it was just being able to even have that emotion without letting it stew too long, you know, like let it move through Mm -hmm. and then take what felt true from that, Mm -hmm. like beyond it. And I feel like if more people were doing this kind of access and, and taking these embodiment practices, however that looks, I feel like you named quite a few already, um, but there are a shit ton more, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I feel like something that maybe someone listening here, I I have a lot of women listeners, of course, a lot are mothers and it's like, where to find the time? Like, that's kind of a, not an excuse, but it's like, it is a reason to not dive into these practices, um, or like commit to yourself in a certain way. Like, what would you say to that woman? Like, how can we make that maybe 5% easier for them? Like what that could that look like maybe in a 24 hour cycle, if you're someone who has children and a partner and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing? Yeah, it's such a real question because life is happening and there's so many different variations of why people might might feel like they can't take care of themselves or can't tap into their own feminine energy. The, the primary practice that I share in the beginning of the book, which is around the, the first code that we talk about is called deepening devotion. And it really is about cultivating, cultivating a daily connection with your higher self and daily connection with, with your body and with your soul. When we do that, all of the things that usually stress us out and feel overwhelming and feel like too much it actually helps to reduce that that impact that it has on us. So like I have a client who she is a teacher. Her job is really stressful. She has to be there really early in the morning. And we've really worked on customizing different practices that help her before she goes to work. And it's five to 10 minutes of her day, but it allows her to show up from a really calm and grounded and centered place and not from this like frazzled, chaotic, stressed out, overwhelmed place. And so I talk about some different practices in the book of how we can take that time and different mindsets. If you've struggled with having a consistent daily ritual or practice, um, I talk about the difference between discipline, which is often how we try and make ourselves do things where we're like, you should do this. And I should be doing all these things. I should be doing breath work and meditating and journaling and affirmations. And I should be doing all these things, but I'm not doing them. And I suck because I'm not doing them. Like, that's not really going to help you to be consistent. That's going to contribute to more like self-sabotage and shame. Mm. So I talk about this aspect of instead of coming from discipline, can we come from this place of heart-centered devotion of like, this is what I really want to create in my life. And this is how I want to feel on a daily basis. And so even when it feels hard, even when it feels like I don't have time, how can I create that space five or 10 minutes a day to prioritize this practice? Mm -hmm. And what practice do I get to do that's going to help me to feel connected to myself? It's not going to be the same thing every day. And I think that's where we can get more into that 
more masculine, rigid place where it's like, I need to do this exact practice in the same way at the same time. It's like, okay, if mornings don't work for you, then be flexible, like figure out another time and figure out a practice that actually feels good for you that day. And the other practice that I would say is doing one or two songs of intentional movement, embodied movement. So Mm -hmm. putting, you can have different playlists that you put on that help you to connect with different, different emotions or different archetypes where it's like, okay, today I'm feeling kind of sad. Okay. What kind of music do I want to like move that through me? Or I want to feel more confident. Like what music would that be? And you can do that with your eyes closed, or you can do that in front of a mirror. Like you can, that can be your daily practice is one song a day, starting there and seeing how that can shift your energy so quickly. A hundred percent. I'm kind of, I'm envisioning, uh, cause I actually just had a client this morning and something I prompted her at the end, um, just as like a hopeful, helpful tip for her to move into the rest of her week was like, depending on what word you want to embody or like what word you want to have cultivated in your life, whether that was peace or joy or grace or flexibility, like whatever it was. Um, like, can you ask that question of like, will this thing, will this person, will this activity bring me joy? And if it won't, then don't maybe do it. And if it does, then do it. But also if it doesn't, she had kind of laughed. She was like, <laughs> like hard, hard to do that. Right. Hard to say no to the things that aren't actually going to bring you say joy, for example. Um, and I'm like, yeah, but also if it's um, a no, it's the question of like, how can you make this thing more joyful? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you make this thing more easeful and um, like dedicated, devoted? And I was just envisioning because she brought up mopping and sweeping her house, sweeping and then mopping, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I was thinking about uh, Snow White, just like whistling while you work, just like make something fun. So even you bringing up like, put on a song to like move some energy to like lift you up out of a a slump in your work day instead of grabbing that 2 p.m coffee that you really don't need because cortisol Mm -hmm. um and just yeah like making it super super easy super tangible it's it is doable um something else I, I recently created not too long ago um a an ebook and it's moonlit muse it's a ritual book but it's like listing out all these potential rituals or practices right And I don't know if anyone's ever considered this or if you've considered this, but really tailoring that to your cycle. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, if you say you have a yoni egg or wand practice, like you're not going to do that maybe when you're on your bleed, when you feel a little more tender or like maybe you'd use a different wand or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just putting that out there for you. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because I know I've had you on the podcast to talk about cycles and in the book, one of the codes is also honoring your cyclical nature and how we can tap into these different cycles, whether that's our menstrual cycle or whether it's the moon cycles or our daily circadian rhythm and our cortisol cycles and our weekly cycles of energy and our, yeah, like how that all relates to cultivating more balance and harmony between your masculine and feminine energy and how, when we actually honor our cycles more, cause we are cyclical beings, then things flow more easily. And there's a lot more ease and grace in our life. So definitely, yeah. Honoring these different phases of our menstrual cycle and, and applying this intuitive wisdom to, to tuning into like what, what actually feels good for me today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that is just like the most beautiful thing to to really hone in on the feminine way being like 
just so tuned in and asking the question, like, what is going to make me feel good? What is, what does my body need right now? Mm. Yeah. I love it all. We've forgotten. We've forgotten that. Like, I think so many women don't trust their bodies and they're like, yeah. well, I don't know. Like I need to listen to someone else or I need to follow these rules. And that's what a lot of this embodiment work is, is actually bringing back more trust in into your inner knowing, bringing more trust into how to actually listen to your body, because that's a skill. That's something that you can practice and that you can learn, but we, we don't learn how to do that in our culture. And so that, that is a big part of this, this journey is like, okay, what does that even mean to to truly trust and listen to my body? Right. I think actually I've said it on the podcast, I think maybe once or twice before, but something I actually truly wish is like, that my job didn't really exist. Like I would love to educate women so much so that I got myself out of this job because in the end, I think, like you said, women aren't trusting their bodies. So they're outsourcing their knowledge to quote unquote experts to quote unquote, like medical doctors or blah, 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 blah. And if you not to discredit anyone that's like done all this studying, like I have, you know what I mean? Um, and work to keep their licenses and to know the ways that the body really works, you know, it's like, how can we teach someone so that they're not necessarily dependent on you, but they learn how to cultivate their own intuition and their own self trust. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the dream. Like, I don't want to be like a fix it person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do feel like sometimes people that come to me and I don't know if people come to you like seeking that, like, can you fix this about me and the way that my life looks? Or can you fix this about my body and the way that it operates right now? Because I'm not able to live the way I want to live. It's like, I, I can, but it's not going to be long-term if you don't look at these root things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I see you, I feel like that's so, so part of your makeup and like what your soul is here for is you are such a teacher and it's not just like okay I'm I'm doing this for people or people need me it's like oh I'm actually going to teach these women and going to empower them and going to give them the 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 resources and also like the the knowing of how to how to honor and listen to their bodies so I that makes a lot of sense well it makes a lot of sense for you too I see that exact same thing in you Mm -hmm. and you just writing this book I know that it came from your soul and from all of the things you've experienced that maybe I feel like you know people that come on here they've they've had a lot of heartbreak and they've had a lot of um scary things uh, that they've had to move through. And on the other side, there's always this like beautiful thing and these like life lessons and all of these teachings that you've really gathered and harnessed and have plopped into this lovely book. Mm. I'm so excited for everyone to get a read and I just want to celebrate you for really taking that time to put out something into the world that not everyone does you know, I feel like some people always say like, everyone's got a book out there. Everyone's got a podcast, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Not everyone will write a book mm-hmm. and you did it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It definitely has been a, a labor of love and it's been a two-year journey of really, you know, getting these practices and these, these ideas and, you know, this, these stories really like there's so many personal stories and it is so vulnerable to to share with with the world that you know these 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 parts of my life that were really transformational and 
I know that in sharing those stories, like it, it's really going to speak to women who maybe were where I was six or seven years ago and who, who haven't learned these tools yet. And to know that there, there is so much on the other side of that. And that's a big reason why I wrote this book. I remember when I was traveling, I was like on my embodiment journey and I was nomadic at the time. And I was living in Tulum, Mexico. And I was like on my scooter riding home. And it was like this beautiful day out. And I could just feel like the warmth of like the, the wind on my skin and the sun beating down on me. And just this feeling of like orgasmic aliveness. And I was like, wow, like going from where I was waking up, feeling depressed and anxious and like being on multiple different medications and feeling like really out of alignment in my life to like being here and feeling the most liberated and free and alive that I've ever felt. I was like, I want every woman to have this. And so I started to specifically on that ride home was like, okay, what is it? What are the codes that allowed me to get here? Like, how did I do this? And that's really where this, this book originally was birthed. Mm. Yeah. And Juicy Tulum. Yes. I love that. I love Tulum so much. And I, as you were saying that I was like envisioning you on your bike, cause I've been down those roads before on like a little bicycle, not a scooter, but yeah. Just like feeling that really fresh topical air. Like how could you not let that hit you in the face and let that be like just the freedom and the space that you even could have there. I can see that downloading quite easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's so freaking cool. I yeah. I think it. we were working together at that time when I was still traveling. I think you were in maybe one of my group programs while, while I was down there. Yeah. And we work together one-on-one right right. on that transition point. So yeah, no, you're right. 2021. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, I mean, and to be fair too, I had that idea for, or the idea for this podcast while working with you. Mm -hmm. And I was just so glad that I was working with you at the time because you shared so many like insights with me about how you ran yours. Oh, something I was going to say was that like your book being vulnerable. Mm. I feel like you've put it into practice though over the years like by posting on social media of course but also in hosting your own podcast and really um fine-tuning just like being vulnerable and getting used to that and kind of expanding your capacity so I feel like I don't know this is all everything's primed you for this moment of Mm. course (laughs) you know yeah, it's been a been a journey and I'm just so grateful that, you know, I'm here that I'm sharing with you and with your listeners and that this book gets to live in the hands and hearts of so many people and I yeah, my prayer is that it it gets to the people who are ready to receive this wisdom and who are seeking guidance and who are ready to do the deeper work. Mm. Go and grab that book, people. The Feminine Way by Amy Natalie. Mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful to have had you on here. Oh, thank you so much, babe. Thank you for having me. When's the book going to be out officially? Yeah. So the official launch date is November 11th, 2023. But of course. Coming up real soon, depending on when this gets published, but it's coming up soon. And um, if you do hear this before then, you can just go to my website, which is amynatalieco.com. And there's a book tab there where you can do the pre-order. And then after that, it'll be available on Amazon and all the major distributors and 
when you get the book, I highly encourage you to download the practices and to do the meditations, to do the practices. I encourage that you don't let this just be another book that you rush through and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to do like read it and get through it all. Like take your time with it and really do the practices because that's where the true change is going to happen. Oh, I can speak to that. I feel like any book that I've actually um, read through it and then just kind of put it down, like did nothing with it, nothing fucking happened. Mm -hmm. But the ones that I would like incorporate the exercise or I do the journal prompts, like that shit changed me. Mm -hmm. So echoing that. And yeah. it's like, why else would you have done those? <laughs> like they're, they have a purpose. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Get to the embodiment people. Thank yeah. you again so much for, for being here. Mm, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening and putting your finger on the pelvic pulse podcast. I'm Brittany Ellers. The music for this podcast was created by Justek. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts by hitting the subscribe button and share it with your loved ones if you found the episode helpful. If you haven't checked out my free womb medicine meditations or phasic community, click the link in the show notes. The meditations and community boards are the perfect place to begin or broaden your connection to your pelvic health, no matter what stage in life you're in. I'd be honored to support you along your journey.